Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I am Carlos at Equity Warren. Joining me live, spicy holiday girl Avery at Brave Grapes. What holiday is it? Uh, it your favorite holiday. This is your season. You've got the uh, the white girl Please. fall aesthetics. Please tell Avery what she's all about. Please tell her about her favorites, Carlos. <laughs> like, is today a holiday? <laughs> Greg at Banana Morphs. Yesterday was, yesterday was a good day of football. I had a good time. Great day. <laughs> Already coming out hot, Angry Boy Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Yeah, best Saturday of the year going into one of the best Sundays of the year, Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo Grand Prix. <laughs> My nights are a wagon. Just everything coming up, Matt. <laughs> and for the last time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. Honestly, I'm not as high on Saturday as y'all are. Apparently, it was fine. Yeah. I, it yeah. wasn't. I mean, awesome. I didn't. I didn't think it was like spectacular, but it was a good day. And I say that with the context that my team won fifty-five to three. So <laughs> that we'll helped. against ASU, which yeah, makes we'll it better. Okay, don't we'll try to convince to Reed. He's just yeah. saying this because it wasn't <laughs> UW beating Oregon. Beating Oregon. Like, um, we'll get to all that but shout out to you sickos joining us live on YouTube like the video send us in your comments and thoughts subscribe to the channel podcast listeners thank you for tuning in once again be sure to follow the show rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify if you like the show and want to show us uh, some support that is literally the easiest most free thing you can do is follow and, and rate the show five stars on Apple and Spotify also <laughs> it's straight up basketball what, what Matt Greg do not search Charles Leclerc's name <laughs> do not Google okay. Oh God. Okay, man. <laughs> uh, it's straight up basketball season now. Actually, it's not vroom vroom season. It's very Pac- much vroom vroom season. <laughs> Pac-12 hoops <laughs> opens tomorrow, Monday. We'll be watching the games. We'll have some Twitter spaces Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll go live on YouTube. Oh, fuck off. Uh, we'll re- <laughs> hey, guys. You guys. We're are, you literally guys are- recording a podcast right now. We'll recap. We're going to recap the entire fucking slate of Pac-12 football games on when uh, basketball games. God damn you all. Basketball games on Wednesday, <laughs> so um, and that'll be on your podcast feeds on Thursday morning. <laughs> Last thing, we have bonus content over at NoTruckStops.com for just $5. We'll be previewing a massive week 11 slate over there. We'll be talking about USC Oregon. We'll talk about Utah Washington. We'll talk about Arizona Colorado. We'll talk about all the games in depth. So go check that out at NoTruckStops.com. Last piece of business. This is, this is more for this show than it is for uh, business. We told y'all that if we got 250 subscribers, Avery and I would eat the hottest salsa we could con- safely concoct. And here we are. We've got each of our salsa and our tortilla chips, right? Here, here's how it's going to go. The start of each segment, Avery and I are going to grab a tortilla chip and dip the whole ass tortilla chip in our salsas. Uh, we use ghost peppers, but I think we have different salsas. Avery, how about you hold up hold up for everyone to see and describe what you're, uh, what you're rocking here? It kind of looks like tomato soup, but don't worry about it. Since podcasting is a visual medium, <laughs> here is my salsa. Um, Dewey made it, so I should have probably asked what he put in here, but I believe there's six ghost peppers, not in this bowl, but like in the entirety of the salsa, and there's tomatoes and onions and limes and some other kind of chili. I I don't know. It's it's spicy, though. I, I checked. I'm not okay. thrilled about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have got... Uh... Uh, a red salsa here that I made with ch- a, a few other ch- uh, chiles, um, garlic and onion, and uh, some clove and all that other stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, it is very hot. So the way that'll work is we're gonna go and dip a whole ass tortilla chip. So before we actually get to the segments, Avery, it's I think it's time for us to 
to actually get a nice dip here. Mine is a little bit solidified now that it's been hot, but just for proof, here it is. Uh, I'm going to try and eat this away from my microphone, unless you're like really into ASMR kind of shit. Yeah, this and is the noisiest just, food. Yeah, just going to have to turn away. Oh, that's so much. Hey, that's enough kink shaming. All right, you cut that <laughs> shit out. Yeah, okay. No more. It's going to get bad, but... Oh, it's already getting bad. All right. Anyway, as Avery and I sever, let's move on to talk about some Pac-12 football, starting with a thrilling Washington win over USC. Reed, please take us away. Um. Yes. Uh, one second. <laughs> I, I was on. <laughs> nice wrong, job. Nice job. Wrong buddy. show notes. Sorry. You're doing great. Sweetie. Here we are. Defense You've been so good optional. at talking about UW all year. I don't. What's the problem? <laughs> Defense was optional on Saturday night in this highly anticipated matchup in the Coliseum. Eight of the first 10 combined drives ended in touchdowns, leading to a 28-28 game with a minute left in the half, including an insane jet sweep reverse flea flicker touchdown designed by Lincoln Riley. USC had the final chance to take a lead before the half, but ZTF came up with a massive strip sack to flip the momentum and set UW up for a 35-28 lead heading into the break. But to start the second half, the USC defense won the edge back with a tip from Eric Gentry leading to a Christian Roland Wallace interception in the end zone. The two sides resumed trading touchdowns with little resistance again until USC came up with a red zone sack of their own, forcing a UW field goal and opening the door for the USC offense, now trailing just 45-42. But when they needed it, UW found their defense again and sacked Caleb Williams to push the Trojans out of field goal range. Then, unsurprisingly, on the final drive, Dylan Johnson was too big, Ryan Grubb was too smart, and Alex Grinch was far, far too dumb to get another (laughs) stop. The score would end 52-42 Washington as Kalen DeBoer leads UW to another big game win to reach 9-0 and puts the Huskies firmly in the the driver's seat for a trip to Vegas. Yeah, thank you, Reed. A super fun game. It's already starting. Oh man, this is uh, gonna be brutal. <laughs> uh, super fun game. Not entirely. A, I don't. Not maybe not a classic or a major clash between two big time teams. But Washington does come away with it. Reed, as Avery and I slip another chip in here. Let's start with you. What do you think of Washington here? I'm impressed that Washington continues to win. I think that Washington has like. Their offense works well enough that they can beat a lot of teams. I think that they're they're kind of fraudulent. Like, are they a top-five team nationally? No, I don't think so in terms of power ratings. But can they beat any team on a given day? Probably. And the fact that they are just continuing to rack up wins is impressive to me. This wasn't the prettiest game ever. Their defense didn't look great. Um, but... Like I said, like when they needed it, they got the two biggest plays, the strip sack to end the half and break serve and the sack at the very end to stop USC from taking a lead in the fourth quarter. That's all they need in this game. It's on the road against a good offense. Ultimately, like it's it's hard to win in college football, even ugly. Uh, so I give credit to UW for winning it. I, I think they might still lose one game, but what this means is they're almost definitely going to end up in Vegas. Uh, Greg, what did you think? You agree with Reed? That means they're definitely going to end up in Vegas. Were you impressed with with UW after this one? Yeah, I mean, this is... They've punched the ticket to Vegas. I totally agree. They need some real crazy shit, I think, to not make it at this point. They need to do something really dumb. I don't expect them to do something really dumb. I was, like, 
one of the reasons I was worried about UW in this game, one of the reasons I, I picked USC with y'all, was I thought there was a decent chance that Ryan Grubb would be too afraid of running the ball as much as he should, you know? Like, I thought there was a total chance that we would see them try and light USC up through the air with Michael Penix and those receivers, which you can still do, but the big weakness of the USC defense is the run defense, and they took advantage of that beautifully. Like, they were very committed to running the ball throughout the game, and it paid dividends, and that's why they had a much more much more successful day than USC, I thought. Like, I thought definitively the better team won in this game, uh, and it was because of that UW run game, and so Good job, UW, and not outthinking yourself. Great. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt Hubertson. What did you What did you think? You agree with all this stuff on that? Uh, Greg and Reed are saying. Um, generally, no, not with Reed. Just out of principle. Um, but <laughs> I look. Both of these teams were in the 99th percentile in EPA per rush. Like the uh, apparently, <laughs> you can just run the damn ball all day against both of these teams. And I very simply think that the difference in this game is Dylan Johnson for UW got 26 carries. Austin Jones for USC got 11. Mm-hmm. There's your difference. And especially when you're talking about who we thought these teams were coming into this game, we obviously know what USC is. And I think that we're just confirming what we thought UW might be as they are starting to play offenses that can, like, uh, you uh, take advantage of weaknesses, right? Like looking at what Arizona did to them, looking at what USC has done to them. I think the comment that they are just 2022 USC is probably pretty accurate in more ways than, than several. So, I I mean, as far as projecting UW forward, like the schedule still is pretty nice, but like you look at them playing Utah, you look at them playing Oregon state. It's not nice. Neither of those. Neither of those teams are going to try to run the ball or are going to try to throw the ball 35 times. Like, they're going to try to run the ball 35 times, 40 times. And that does not, what we saw out of this game does not feel like something that you can go into those games and be like, yeah, UW is definitely going to be able to control the game, those games. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I look at that schedule and don't think it's nice. Yeah. They, I, Washington State, the Apple Cup at the end of the season looks like a gimme now, but Utah, uh, it's at home in Seattle, and Utah struggles uh, away from Salt Lake City. But that game is going to be tough. I think it's a good matchup. We talked about this on Patreon. It's a good matchup for Utah, um, just because they run the ball, uh, because that they because they have a a pretty chaotic front seven and defensive line that's going to be able to get pressure on Michael Penix in a way that USC really couldn't in this game uh, against Washington. Um. Oregon State, another team that's not going to throw, to your point, uh, Matt. But, like, just t- talking about this game, it was a magnificent offensive game. I, I think this is – I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better offense, uh, offensive performance that Washington will have or has had all season. This is the best uh, performance they've had. Um, it's the best they've looked in a month by a huge margin. Uh, they've had mostly stinky performances against, against except one against Oregon. Um, and you know, it was sort of all around, right? I think it was, you're right on the ground. It was, it was a great performance. Uh, I'm, I am relatively impressed. I'm not saying that Washington's like a bad team or I'm unimpressed or this team, this win didn't matter, but we know what USC's defense is and we'll get into the USC aspect of this. I think we have to kind of, uh, contextualize 
any offensive performance against USC as it being against USC uh, because their defense is so, so bad. It it genuinely might be the worst in the Pac-12 um, and and might might be the worst with a bullet. Um, but great performance from Washington's offense. Defensively, it was not a great performance, but we know what, what USC is and can be offensively, so we have to contextualize that side of the ball too. But I think it was worth being concerned about USC's front seven, their ability to stop the run. I think it was worth, uh, sorry, Washington's front seven and their ability to stop the run. Uh, I think it's absolutely worth, like, those defensive backs got burnt. Um, they they did not play well in this game at all. And they had no answers. They were, I mean, I don't know, very few teams have answers for Caleb Williams, but they had they had very few little to no answers for um, for Caleb Williams. They got a key stop when they absolutely needed it. And that is ended up being the difference, right? That's what happens in these kinds of games. We have so much experience with it, especially last year, where you have two teams that are, uh, you know, offensive, like just nuclear offensive teams. And so, yes, getting a possession, a stop here once in a while is the kind of thing that turns the game. And that's what happened uh, with Washington against USC. But, you know, that's par for the course. I feel, I feel the way I'm in the middle between, man, is Washington kind of fraudulent? And, you know, if Washington is the greatest team that, uh, you know, this is 2019 LSU or whatever the hell people like to say. Um, I'm in between there now. It's a really, really good team. I think they're, they are the top two team in the Pac-12. So that's where that's where I would have put them. Avery, what did you think of Washington's performance? I need to push back on this. <coughs> Jesus Christ, sorry. I need to push back <laughs> on this. Uh, USC is, I mean, Washington is just 2022 USC. Washington's defense isn't good, but their defense isn't a liability. Like, it's just straight up not as bad as USC's was in 2022. They, they played one of the best offenses in the Pac-12 last night. Like, I think it's fair to let up points because I'm not saying they're a good defense. I just don't think they're that bottom tier level. And they scored on every drive against USC last night, right? Which is what you should expect against USC. And other teams haven't done that against USC. So, like, I don't know what more you want from them. I I personally think Washington looks really good. I know they've had some ugly games, but it, what does Reed always say? Just win. A win is a win. <laughs> this is a pretty convincing yeah. win. <laughs> yeah. Well, Do you feel like it's a convincing win? Go ahead, Reed. I think the thing for me is just, like, at 9-0, and like, we can go ahead and talk about the matchup with Utah and Oregon State, and you can convince me they're going to lose one of them. But what they've done by getting to this point is they can lose that game. They still will go to Vegas no matter what if they're 2-1 and one the rest of the way. And because of how good this offense is, they'll still have you know a, a 35, 40% chance against anyone in Vegas, maybe better than that. Like They will have more than a puncher's chance to win that game, win the conference, and probably go to a playoff if they're 12 and one. So despite some of the flaws, I don't know, like it's still an awesome performance and they're in a really good spot just by winning. I I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a, it was a great performance. Um, I guess I'm just, I don't know, I'm not coming out of this game being like, oh man, like Washington is the team to be in the Pac-12. Like this looks like, this looks like the best team in the Pac-12. I'm well, not they literally are the team to be in the Pac-12 because they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. So doesn't that, by definition, make them the team to beat? I think. Well, I mean, by <laughs> definition, whoever is on the other side of that, which I think would be Oregon, would could also be the team to beat. Well, they already and beat I, Oregon, so like, 
<laughs> yeah, but I but I also think that uh, I, I think we had I think we have learned a lot about the defensive game plan to slow down Washington. USC like they uh, are just incapable of of employing, <laughs> executing, coming up with a defensive game plan whatsoever. They just are like it's absolutely absurd to watch that defense. Like, and well, again, we'll get into USC. I say that to say, I think there's a there's a like Washington is not an unstoppable offense, um, and it requires some game planning and it requires, you know, co- a commitment to a strategy. And I think. I don't know. Right now, yes, I would say that Washington is not the best team in the Pac-12. I don't. We think knew that the strategy them... for stopping their offense after the Arizona game, which was the week before Oregon. Like, there's really not an excuse for Oregon here. Yeah, they, did they didn't not play employ... the first week well, of the season. We're gonna litigate that game for weeks, but they didn't have a good defensive game plan. I gotta imagine that they're going to have a better one. But I don't I, know. I mean, whatever. This was a good performance from Washington. I'm not knocking it. I just think that like defensively they are what they are i think they are they have just like they were last year they have a uh somewhat significantly better defense than usc but not by a huge margin they are a good team but they are flawed like i did not come away thinking from this game thinking man this is like this is the best team in the conference it, i just didn't go ahead reed just the the contextualizing of the head to hell result between oregon and washington is just like it's Yes, you have to rank Washington above Oregon because they ranked head-to-head if you're doing a playoff ranking. But like as one data point that we've seen, it was an incredibly even matchup that came down to the final play. I think that you know Washington won on that day, but it's fair to make an argument that either team is better. I don't think that that one game played in Seattle has to overwhelm your entire perception of how these two teams stack up. And I feel like we've learned more about them in the weeks past. Um, I don't know. It, it would be a good game if they played again. It was a good game when they played in Seattle. They're two pretty cl- evenly matched teams when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, let's move over to the USC side of this. Um, I think we're, we're, we're reaching a point of saturation with both of these teams, but mostly USC in terms of what we're going to say about them. But uh, they dropped their third game of the season. Their third and fourth game, four games as well. Um, they're straight up reeling right now, and I don't, I don't think we're learning anything new about them. So I'll ask this, and we can start with Matt. Matt, how <laughs> Caleb Williams was brilliant in this game. Is this the biggest waste of a quarterback in Pac-12 history? Like, is there an instance of another coaching staff doing this little with this caliber of quarterback in Caleb Williams? I mean, Tyler Huntley didn't win a Pac-12 championship, so <laughs> that's, that's the first one. Avery, that take I a come chip, to. by the way. Um. That's that's the first one that I fall back on. I maybe probably. I mean, it's it's difficult to call it an extreme waste because like this is kind of just what Lincoln Riley does every year with every quarterback of this caliber. Um, so like in Pac-12 history, sure, just because Lincoln Riley hasn't been here doing the exact same shit with the exact same quarterback five times before this. So I I, I think that that's probably where I land on this. Otherwise, like yeah, this is he's incredible. Like he is absolutely incredible. He is absolutely carrying this team. I do like Khalil Tate was ruined too. I do like that call. I think he was ruined by himself by not running the triple, but <laughs> I, I think he kind of did that shit to himself a little bit, but like, I just, I, I, yeah, I mean, probably. I also just think that the way that USC runs their offense, even if you get a quote unquote better defense in there, like kind of what we talked about all off season, 
they're never like Lincoln Riley has never had a great defense and will never have a great defense because of the way that he runs his entire program. Yeah. Greg, what about you? What did you, what did you think? You could talk about USC's performance generally, but what do you think about this idea that this is maybe one of the biggest wastes of a quarterback in Pac-12 history? In terms of Pac-12, I mean, nothing else comes to mind. People talk about the Oregon staff wasting Herbert, but, Herbert still yeah, was really wasn't good. that bad, yeah. Exactly, and they won. <laughs> they won the Rose Bowl with Herbert, so it's like they made whatever. Herbert look not like like a just merely a yeah. top four quarterback, not you know. Yeah, the exactly. Defense like was they, good though. Yeah, they yeah, limited the Herbert, difference. probably what he could have been, but at least they put a team around him good enough to win something. So I can't think of anything close to what USC is doing right now in the Pac-12. Uh, as for the performance as a whole, I'm not going to mention the defense because we've talked about them enough. We know what they are. Uh, once again, really disappointed by uh, the U- USC coaching on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that was a really cool play design with the delayed flea flicker. Loved oh, that, that was a cool. Lot. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. Live, couldn't believe what I was watching. But why the fuck were they not running the damn ball? Like... It worked so well, and that was the reason Oregon won. I mean, not Oregon. No. Washington won, like Matt said, and USC didn't. Like, run the damn ball. I said on the Wednesday show, the reason that I wasn't betting USC in that game and the reason why I just decided to go with the total is because I trusted Washington's coaching staff to make, like, good situational decisions and play-calling decisions. Like, I trusted Washington to adapt a lot more than I trust USC to do that because I just... I feel like every time Lincoln Riley loses the, loses a game, it's because another staff made some changes at halftime and suddenly they grow into the game in the second half. Meanwhile, USC is the same team throughout the game and you just have to hope that Caleb Williams is enough to overcome whatever the other team did schematically. And it's just dumb. It's bad. Like Lincoln Riley, I think, is getting too much of a pass for USC this year. Yeah. I don't know and that like, he is. He's, he's been criticized, but I think he needs to be criticized for more than just Alex Grinch, you know? Yes. Like, his offensive decisions, I think, have not been ideal either. Yeah. <coughs> I, the ba- the balance, it's like, the thing watching this USC team, and the reason I bring up this, this <coughs> question here around Caleb Williams, is that USC's run game is, is, is really good, and he gets deeply underutilized. Um, their offensive line is horrific. Their receivers, I feel like, are regressing. Um, I feel like, I mean, they're still a really good receiver room, but it feels like every week that goes by, that uh, it's getting it's getting worse. Um, I and their defense is is what it is. We've talked about it. It's the worst defense in the Pac-12. But Lincoln, right? I think you're right. Lincoln Riley is 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 getting off the hook for what he's doing offensively because the offense right now is let Caleb Williams figure it out, and Caleb Williams is so fucking good. He is he is like transcendently good as a college quarterback, the best college quarterback I have ever seen. And it it works, right? Like it works to just be like, yeah, put it in Caleb's hands, let him figure it out. Even even with Caleb Williams though, there are things that Caleb Williams has like maybe gotten marginally. I would say Caleb Williams is the same player he was last year. Um I think and that there's no knock on that. He literally won a fucking Heisman last year. Um, but, like, he's the same player. He, he's not doing anything different than what he was last year. And that also means that Lincoln Riley is probably not developing him. Maybe there's a ceiling there, but Lincoln Riley's not developing him. He's not making quicker decisions. He's still kind of hanging around in the pocket. He still 
and it finally came back to bite him, holds the ball with one hand away from his body when he runs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like such an obvious coaching thing. Like, I'm a fucking moron. I'm just here doing a podcast. And even I'm like, hey, maybe someone should teach him to like get, get the ball closer to his body. Uh, and, and like that hasn't happened. So either he's not listening or his coaches aren't telling him anything. I, given what we know about this coaching staff, they're probably not telling him anything. I think that's fair to say. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're right, Greg. I think Lincoln Riley is getting off scot-free. I also think USC fans are not happy with Lincoln Riley. I think USC fans are, they have turned on Lincoln Riley really, really quickly here. Um, and I think it goes beyond the Alex Grinch thing at the same time. If you score 42 points and 3.8 points per drive, which, by the way, is higher than USC season average, like, you got to win those games. And you, you don't because your defense is a fucking sieve because your defense gives up five points per drive. Your defense gives up 50 points pretty reliably, no matter, to, no matter what. Um, we're at the point with USC's defense, and I kind of tweeted this, that, <clears throat> oh, man, it's like starting to get to me now. Uh, we're at the We're at the point now with USC's defense is like, there's a ceiling to how bad a defense can be in a football game. Like there's just so many, there's just not enough possessions in a football game to just give up that many points. It's like, there's a seat, there's a floor for how bad your offense can be. You can't score negative zero points uh, or points below zero. Like you can only score zero points. You can only give up so many points per drive in a football game. And, um, you know, it's sort of with USC. It's like, People were sort of talking about after this game, oh, Oregon's going to light them up. Like, Washington has a great offense, but Oregon's offense is better. They're going to light them up. I mean, yes, but, like, we're, are they going to score more than 52 points? Like, <laughs> like, like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, and we're at that point where it's just, like, so bad that there is literally, outside of having a perfect offensive performance, which is, like, I'm going to say almost statistically impossible – it can't get any worse. Um, so I don't know. I mean, USC is like a broken ass team. They are seven and three right now. They've got to play Oregon and they've got to play UCLA to finish out the season. I think I think they'll beat UCLA and we'll get to UCLA later. But they should get their asses handed to them by Oregon because I think I think Oregon can force two or three additional stops on top of what UW did um, and and sort of take care of them. So, I don't know. USC is a fucked up team right now. Avery, what did you think of USC or this idea that Kay- that they're ruining Caleb Williams or, or wasting Caleb Williams' talent? I almost think that USC staff gets too much credit for what their offense does. Like, I genuinely think so much of their offensive success is just having talented players on their team. Like, that flea flicker was pretty cool. I'll give them that. But that so other than that, like, there's no exciting play calling that's, that's happening. I'm not impressed. Um, and we can talk about like Alex Grinch all day, but genuinely, it just makes me angry that there is such a talented offense that Caleb Williams is on when most of the time with really great quarterbacks that are wasted, it's so much of the offensive talent around them that is the reason for the wasting, I guess. So he has everything to succeed in every way that he can, but his defense is so bad that no matter what he does, if he plays perfectly, they can still lose. And then he gets blamed for it. So uh, I'm just really angry. The narrative on Twitter, anytime Caleb Williams loses, just makes me want to rip my hair out and set myself on fire. Because it's so fucking infuriating how much people shit on him for stuff that's completely out of his control. Yeah. Yeah, he gets a lot of blame. Reed, what did you think of? Did you get to talk about USC yet? No, I did not. Um, 
I, I agree. Caleb Williams played an awesome game. I will say that fumble before the half, though, like is a 14-point swing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, is rough and it's one play and it sucks that that one play was worth 14 points because he was so good on 95% of the plays, but that very well might be the difference in this game. Um, I think more broadly about Lincoln Riley and just like how, how this looks going forward. You're right. Like the difference between Caleb Williams and the next five-star quarterback that comes in there is probably going to be substantial just because Caleb Williams is that good, you know, and can do that much in terms of improvising. And I think the difference between what Lincoln Riley's doing right now versus Oklahoma, one, the defense is a little worse, but the main thing is the offensive line is much, much worse than any of the Oklahoma offensive lines were. And he tried to bring over his O-line coach, Bill Biedenbaugh, from Oklahoma when he was hired. It looked like he was going to. Then he decided to stay at Oklahoma last minute. And this O-line just, it's not good enough to consistently score points against good defenses. Um, It just creates these situations where Caleb's improvising and he has to be absolutely perfect out of the system of the offense. And eventually it's going to catch up to him and he's going to fumble or he's going to get sacked. And when your defense is this bad, it's not going to work. And with another quarterback who can't do the things Caleb Williams does, it's especially not going to work. It wouldn't work with almost any other. You could have Michael Penix in this offense, a really fucking good quarterback. It would not function at all because he can't do the shit that Caleb Williams does. Michael Penix would last two and a half games. You should choose a mobile quarterback for that comparison (laughs) because he... Michael Penix wouldn't last behind like any line either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's kind of the point though. Like you have to be like mobile to the like 150th percentile. You have to be an absolute freak of nature for the offense to function the way it is right now. You can't just be a really good quarterback. And even outside, even outside of the offensive line struggles, like the need for like they continue to call like six second routes. Like Mm -hmm. these are, these are still play calls that, the intention is the vault for the ball to come out at like five seconds. Like they are not running a consistent like offense that is meant to overcome the offensive line struggles that they have. Um, but I, I do think that that comment about the, where the offensive line is, is absolutely like this USC is case study one and Colorado's case study two on just the fact that offensive line, defensive line bodies, they just are not in the portal. They do not exist in the portal you that is something that as much as you can turn around your skill players as much as you can turn around those sorts of things and that will absolutely get you to a bowl eligible and you can absolutely increase your win total by three four games in a single season by doing that you're just not gonna be able to actually have a championship level team for three four five years because you've got to get those bodies in there you know how lincoln riley coaches he coaches as if every unit of his on the field is the best in college football and he's just like well if it's not too bad (laughs) let's ride yeah and and the offensive line is like you know he's not giving to your point like and matt's point not giving the you the offensive line uh some leeway here um and it's it's crazy to think that like only caleb williams i think can negate how bad usc's lines are um it's going to come back to it came back to bit them against Utah. It it came back to bit them, bite them against Notre Dame. Who knows if it'll come back to bite them against UCLA? But yeah, it's a it's 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 a, a horrendous situation right now for USC. 
Um, I don't know. That that's where we're at with USC. Uh, they have a chance, by the way, to win the pack to win the Pac-12. They still are there. If they beat Oregon, they I think might be in the driver's seat um, to win the Pac-12. I think they've got to get. Um, I think they have to have, ironically, Arizona um, to to lose that game because I think they might win on a three way tiebreaker. I'm not really sure, um, but but yeah, as long as they don't tie with Utah um, and uh, uh, they they beat Oregon, they could do that. The problem is, I don't think they're beating Oregon. I think they, I, I wouldn't give them, I wouldn't give them a puncher's chance in Eugene against an Oregon team that. Doesn't have a great defense, but it's like a decent one. And you know, I would say Washington's is like okay. Um, and honestly, that just might be enough with how bad um, the the USC's defense is. So we'll USC, talk more about that stuff in the preview. But yeah, on the tiebreaker front, just I think USC, if they beat Oregon, isn't a good spot because they have the tiebreaker over Arizona and the other yep. two two loss teams, Utah and Oregon State. Both probably likely to drop a game, we think. One more. Well, Oregon State, right. If Oregon wins out, then that means Oregon State drops one. Um, Arizona and Utah, one of them has to eliminate each other because they play right. each other. So we'll get into all that stuff. Arizona has a, actually a uh, shockingly good chance. Uh, I did this, and uh, you know, uh, everyone's nightmare scenario is true. Uh, Utah can go to a third straight Pac-12 title game as long as USC wins out. Um, <laughs> if USC <sighs> beats Utah, we're, I don't know why we're talking about Utah because USC is here and they got to root for USC. Uh, but I did the math here. Uh, if USC wins out and Utah wins out, that would force a three-way seven and two tie among USC, Utah, and Oregon. And fucking Utah would win that tiebreaker because, uh, <laughs> if you go down the list, they'd have a win over Washington. Um, so, so what you're saying is USC <laughs> just needs to run the ball 19 straight times. <laughs> Man, if you're a Utah fan, like you better you got to put on your fucking your fucking <laughs> SC face stickers on and shit. Like you you got to be a big old USC fan. You your Utah fans, if you're out there listening, you're dunking on USC like, "Oh yeah, fuck USC. I'm glad they're losing." Better stop right now cuz <laughs> you got to have them win. They got to win now. Like you you better be the biggest USC fan you have ever seen against Oregon. Uh, so <laughs> crazy stuff. Fucking Utah, they just don't three, go away, do they? Three losses in Utah will come for you all. <laughs> <laughs> God, annoying ass team. All right, let's move on to our next segment. Meaning Avery, it's time for us to down another chip here. Here I am, doing with a full mouth for no reason. Love me a full um, mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another big result here for the Pac-12. Arizona beats UCLA in Tucson twenty. <clears throat> 27 to 10. This was a bit of a defensive struggle. You know what? Like, I can't feel it on my tongue anymore. Like, it's not like hurting my tongue. It's like fucking with my music, mucus and like, it's like kind of getting viscous well, and <laughs> causing me God, to cough. Okay, we don't need that much. Nobody detail. cares. Nobody cares. Uh, this was uh, Arizona UCLA. It was a bit of a defensive struggle uh, despite Arizona winning 27 to 10. Arizona's up 14 to 7 at half, but. Um, in the end, brilliance from Noah Fafita and his receiving core put the Wildcats over the top against UCLA, pulling away from the Bruins late. Um, Arizona controlled this game. Uh, they have controlled the past three games, all against teams that were ranked at the time that they played. And now they're finally, almost certainly, finally going to get ranked this week after just some nonsense from the AP voters. So, Greg, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on Arizona right now? Arizona <laughs> as 2021 Utah. Just continues to steamroll. Uh, 
You just have to swap out the receivers for tight ends, and it's the exact same fucking team. Uh, <laughs> they're really impressive right now. I thought they were, like you said, a better team than uh, than UCLA for the majority of that game. It was pretty close to going into halftime up 14-0. Noah Fafita is just the perfect college quarterback, though. I love everything that he is, you know? Like, he's pretty small, and you can see it while he's playing, but he's just so fun. He's a gamer. I love him. Uh, those receivers are so fun to watch, Tet McMillan and Jacob Cowing, and Montana Lamonius Craig got a touchdown in this one. Uh, I don't know. Arizona is so fun to watch. It just sucks that I hate their coach. <laughs> Avery, did you get to watch this game? What did you think of Arizona here? Was this Greg's 9-11 watching this game? <laughs> watching Jed Fish comfortably win this game? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought Arizona was going to win. I think Arizona's great. I think Arizona's better than 2021 Utah. Um, it like really frustrates me that Fafita didn't start the season because I feel like we'd be in a very different situation right now. Uh, I was really imp- impressed with Arizona's offense and defense. Is, is Wiley out? Did he get re-injured? Yeah, he did. So he came back and got injured in this game. I don't know if he's out, out, but yeah, he got he got re-injured. Yeah, that sucks because I really like him, ankle. and he just yeah. came back, and it was the same ankle. So that was really frustrating. But I think it's I think it's time to be scared of Arizona. I feel like we have been saying to be scared of Arizona, but I still think people look at Arizona the way they have for like the last four years, and they're like, oh, it's fine, it's Arizona. No, this this team is genuinely in contention right now, and it's not a crazy path for them to be in the conference championship game. Yeah, it is not a, a crazy path. Just to note for people to know, we're at that point now. Where we're talking about tiebreakers and stuff. If uh, they need everyone, pretty much every scenario requires Oregon dropping a game, um, and probably Oregon dropping the game against USC. In a scenario where Oregon, Zona, Arizona, and USC Oregon end up in a three-way seven and two tie, where USC beats Oregon, <coughs> and Oregon beats uh, or, uh, uh, Oregon State. USC would be eliminated due to conference common conference opponents. Uh, they would be three and two among their common common conference opponents. Zona and Oregon would be four and one in a he- in a two-way tie between Z- Zona and Oregon. Uh, Arizona would win that one on strength of schedule because they obviously miss each other. But Arizona misses Cal, and Oregon misses UCLA, and almost certainly UCLA will end up with a better record um, than Cal does. So they, their path is not crazy. They've got to they got to root for USC as well. I think a, a lot of teams have to root for USC to beat Oregon next week, um, and you know they have to win their games. That's not totally impossible. But just a quick thing on the conference conference opponents. Matthew Hubertson, what did you think of uh, Arizona Jetfish? The entire offense, the defense, everything in that in this game against UCLA for for the Cats. Hey, hey, guess what we got, y'all? Bowl eligible Zona, baby. We are Finally. so bad. Oh, we are so bad. Um, we haven't even talked. We're not. We're not even. Ta- that's not even like the lead story of this. They haven't gone to a bowl game in years, and we're not even so talking clear. about it because they're so damn good. It was so clear that they were going. I freaking love Ted McMillan. He's so good. He's unbelievable. <laughs> He's, so, He's awesome. Like. If you're just looking at raw stats, you would think that Noah Fafita is playing out of his mind, and he is. The trouble is, is that his mind starts at a much lower place. Like the catches that T Mag is making is <laughs> unbelievable. Truly, six, seven times a game, Fafita is just going fuck it. T Mag's down there somewhere, and it might be four yards away, but he's just chucking it up to him. It is awesome to see. Like his hands are so good, and he's got such great strength. Like he is going in front of defensive backs several times and ripping the ball away from them. He's great. He is absolutely awesome. 
otherwise, like I just I continue to look at this team and look at how much the talent around the quarterback position has improved over yeah. the last four weeks, it seems, right? It's just been evident over the last four weeks. But they they have gotten to be such a better team, and you definitely see a little bit more about like when you get a quarterback that is consistent and is not volatile you start to let the other parts of your team actually shine. And I think that Arizona has been an unbelievable show of that. Yeah. Reed, what did, what did you think about Arizona? It was another awesome game from them. Um, I think that they're good everywhere now, and that's really the difference, right? They're a very balanced team. They don't really have any major flaws. Their only insane trait is the receivers, you know, McMillan and Cowan are Cowing are the only thing about this team that I think is genuinely elite. But the fact that they're good everywhere else really changes stuff. And I thought the really cool part of this game was they shut down UCLA over and over again. And when it got to the late third, early fourth quarter, they just started teeing off on them. They were just like, we have these guys right where we want them. We've overwhelmed their offensive line physically we can compete in space and they were just coming downhill and making plays over and over and over again. Arizona's like, you know, I I mean, I don't know that they're 2021 Utah, given that that was like a top 10 team, but Arizona's a top 20 team for sure. Um, in, in terms of power ratings, in terms of resume, like they are a really, really good football team. I don't see, I don't see why they're, why they couldn't if they go nine and three and they win out the rest of the way i don't i don't see why they couldn't i mean the only reason they're not gonna be top 10 is is because the ap poll voters were late to get to to arizona right and no, like they're, they're only they're only gonna be ranked they, this week what are we gonna they say have three losses so yeah utah 2021 utah had three losses they weren't top 10 though until like the end of the season yeah that's yeah, what utah i'm saying wasn't top 10 until the rose bowl yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think over the course of the season, they will get there. Um, if they win out, now they got to win out, and that's a tall task. That's not like an easy thing. We shouldn't just assume they are, but they probably will be favored in every single game. I think there's a good chance they'll be favored against Utah in Tucson. Per SP Plus, it would be, uh, it would be Utah by minus one in Tucson. But I think, I think that could change over the next couple of weeks, depending on. Well, how I feel the like they AWD have the goes. easiest remaining schedule. Yeah. It's it's Utah. They get Utah in Tucson, um, Arizona. I think you're abs- you nailed it, Reed. Like they look like a complete team. There's nothing about this team that's like, oh, I don't know, man. Someone's gonna explain that. Like that's gonna be a problem. Um, their only one is <laughs> uh, Jed Fish's late game decision making. But it's very funny because Jed Fish probably looked in the mirror after that USC game and was like, I'm a fucking moron. I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, I should not be making any more late game decision making. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually just going to win games convincingly enough that it won't matter. <laughs> I won't need to make late game decisions. Um, this is a good team. Uh, they have, you know, a top half quarterback in the Pac-12. They've got the second best receiver room in the Pac-12, and not and honestly, every week I get closer and closer to inching them towards Washington. Because it's like they've got so many different guys they can throw to. Tet McMillan, Jacob Cowing, um, Montana Lamonius Craig is their third receiver. Tanner McLaughlin is an awesome pass-catching tight end. Um, Their defense is aggressive and physical and fairly disciplined. They did not make many mistakes for the third straight game. Arizona does not win a game on anything fluky. Like, they are just not making mistakes and forcing other teams into them. Like, Arizona is 
Arizona's doing that. But Matthew Richardson, what do you have to say about Arizona, this team, where they're at right now? I just, I definitely like. I'm gonna do the coaching, like coach speak platitude crap of like Fish talked about two years ago, I think, where he was like, Utah is their gold standard. They want to be Utah, and I thought that this game kind of showed a lot of that. Reed talked about how like they got to the point where with UCLA they were pushing them off the ball. They were the more physical team, and I don't know like that it was significantly more physical, but like this is a really physical UCLA team, and to not get bulldozed and not be out physical by them, I thought was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So Arizona, here they are sitting uh, with just two conference losses. They're six and three right now. They've got who's left. Who's next on our schedule at Colorado at Colorado could be interesting just cause it's in Boulder and Stop. Colorado's a little spicy. Stop I think it. it's fine. Yeah. yeah they're <laughs> probably game fine. at all. Yeah, they're probably fine. I um, want a formal apology from you, by the way, about that. <laughs> Did anyone else have like a mini heart attack when they saw the other quarterback go in for a snap? Yes. Cause I did. Yeah, I absolutely was like, what the well, fuck it's fun- is happening? They brought him in and what happens? He like dramatically underthrows like almost a lateral pass. Very... Almost like a completely chaotic like play that was gonna fuck up Arizona. It'd been so funny if in that one play blew the game for them. <laughs> Never let him see the field. Like you, there's no reason to throw Jaden Delora out there. There's none. Cape him off the field. There's no. There's no point. Noah Fafita has won this job. Look where Arizona is right now. Like just do not. Do That's not. That's like play something you Jayden do Delora. when you have a really likable quarterback that lost the starting <laughs> job, but all your fans still love for whatever reason, or like That's the what, team loves. But nobody likes him. Williams. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. likes him. I don't even think his teammates like playing with him. So, like, I mean, why is he out there? It's not Dorian helping Singer, morale. Dorian Singer transferred out because of of Jaden. Literally. Delora, so yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah. the only person in that building who likes him is the coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so here Arizona is, I mean, they're, they are, uh, they look scary right now. Would you pick them if, if, uh, I don't know. I'm, do you like their chances to go to a Pac-12 title game? Does anyone like their chances to go to a Pac-12 title game? No. At what odds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think the odds are pretty low, right? I mean, the thing is, Oregon has a 58% chance of winning out. Their schedule is light enough, but. Go ahead, I like Arizona's chances of winning the rest of their games. Yes. Outside of that, I don't know because they yeah. don't control their destiny. Like I'm not sure if Oregon will lose a game, but I do feel pr- I feel like I can comfortably say that Arizona is probably going to win out. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a, a really really good chance. So anyway, that's Arizona. Let's move on to the other side of this tilt which means avery it's time for us to take another chip and i'll do it uh i'll learn my lesson i'll do you. it after i introduce this uh segment so i'm not chewing and talking at the same time um let's talk about ucla they fall to six and three on the season uh this was another brutal performance offensively for them uh reed start us off what did you think of ucla in this game r.i.p 10 and 2 ucla god damn it i was gonna do that come on <laughs> um Oh, God. R.I.P. The offensive line won't matter. R.I.P. This quarterback room isn't more of a question mark than fifth-year DTR. Uh, we know the greatest hits at this point. I mean, they have no offensive identity. They were getting killed out there because their offensive line sucks. Um, their running backs are, are merely fine, much worse than Charbonnet was last year. Their quarterbacks are... <laughs> 
I mean, it just has been so woefully mismanaged. They can't stick with a guy. If they try to stick with a guy, they're going to get killed against a decent defense. Um, This thing is a mess, and it's really funny because they've, like, backdoored their way into an awesome front seven through the transfer portal that they didn't really earn. They kind of just, like, picked up scraps from people. Leatu Latu was never supposed to play football again, and they were like, oh, actually, our medical staff cleared you. Randomly, now he turns into the best defensive player in the conference. <laughs> like, <laughs> not an awesome recruiting job or development job from Chip Kelly. I think it's <laughs> just fell in his lap pretty much. And, <laughs> and at that exact moment, he decides to for completely forget how to develop and coach an offense. Um, just so fucking funny that that this is where it all comes together and we're in year six and there's still no plan to like have an offensive line that makes sense and isn't patched together with transfers. Um and I I do it's unbelievable. DDR stayed five years and they don't have a good quarterback behind him. Like what is happening? They yeah. didn't know he was going to graduate, Reed. <laughs> they weren't prepared. <laughs> they didn't have enough time. Uh, UCLA is a... I, I, for anyone who wants like a deep dive into what the hell went on with UCLA in this game and on the season and Chip Kelly and all that stuff, I posted something on Patreon. Subscribe to that for just $5 to get access to it. Um, but it was this was a fucking disaster for UCLA. At no point uh, did they look like the better team. At no point did it look like, oh, I don't know, let's see what happens. Um, they, they got their asses kicked. They got their asses kicked on the lines. Um, I, I thought UCLA's pass rush was actually still pretty good, um, in this game. They think they got to know Favita a couple of times. Um, the secondary, I actually thought the secondary played decently, but those receivers are just too damn good. That's what happens when you just have more talented guys is you're going to get Tet McMillan getting blanketed and being able to catch it from anywhere right that's what happens when you have talent someone tell chip kelly that um recruiting does in fact matter stars do in fact matter um but the quarterback situation is a disaster uh you think garbers uh is like i'm sure he's a, a great kid but man he is he is tough to watch out there uh i think his his main redeeming um skill is being able to run and he did that pretty well when he had to but um, he made some crazy decisions there that uh, made that made this really really tough on them. So yeah, I mean, I um, I think I think UCLA is in uh, some real soul searching mode right now. Their defense is was okay to decent in this game. Uh, it didn't get lit up, but they also didn't necessarily stop Arizona consistently enough for it to be a good defensive performance. Um, and their offense is, is, is like Cal, Justin Wilcox, old school, Justin Wilcox level bad. Like it's just horrendous. Uh, Reed, you mentioned their running backs. Their running backs are among, I think the worst in the PAC 12. Uh, they, they aren't able to get anything going. That offensive line is doing them no favors, but they aren't exactly creating. Zach Charbonnet could create something probably from this offensive line. They are creating nothing from this offensive line. Um, it's a, their run game is like run it 40 times and get four yards per carry. Like, and that's just not sustainable offense. Um, especially when you're not getting explosive plays in the, um, in, in the past game. Right. So it just, nothing is working for UCLA right now. And the chatter, at least on UCLA Twitter, I don't know. And, and even the LA times, uh, Ben Bolch 
uh, wrote something a couple years ago ago about firing Chip Kelly, and he's resurfaced it again. The noise is getting a little louder around Chip Kelly. Um, I think people are kind of tired of these these like middling eight and four seasons, um, and that's where <laughs> UCLA is tracking right now. But Avery, you had something to say about UCLA. I know we get um, feedback that we make too many Utah comps right now, but is this uh-huh. not just 2023 <laughs> week five Utah? <laughs> no, no, no. Is this, no, no, is no, this no. not Utah in week five Utah. of this, this year? This is 2017. This is 2017 this, Utah. It really this is. This is Utah, Utah, but without Utah's coaching staff. People yeah. are calling for what's heading 17 too. I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. No, this is... This is so fucking funny. I mean, what can I say? I love a I love a great defense that has a shitty offense. That's my that's my pick. Um, I I think it's so funny that their defense is so good and their offense is so bad. I wish we could take Caleb Williams and his offense and like pick him up and move him across town and drop them in Chip Kelly's lap and see what would happen then because I think that would be a lot of fun. But I, I personally think it's been really funny to watch Carlos go from um, U- UCLA is on the top of the world to what they are now. <laughs> That's been electric. Um, Greg, what did you think about UCLA? Yeah, UCLA is just such an uninspiring team. They're just – I ugh. you watch yeah. their games and you know what you're about to see. And what you're about to see – is like not fun it's one team's better than the other team and slowly over the course of the game the team that's playing ucla will suffocate ucla and ucla will die like sometime around the third quarter and it'll be over it's it's just ugh. i don't i don't enjoy watching ucla games right now yeah it's uh it's it's pretty tough matthew Hubertson, what are your what are your thoughts on ucla you talked about them being 2017 utah you have any other thoughts yeah, I just want to know, like, so did you consciously make the choice to stop liking Utah in 2017 because you know this was coming with UCLA? <laughs> or, like, is this was this just all coincidental? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, I'm starting to hate UCLA because of the fans who are all like, oh, but Chip Kelly has them on the – they're 6-3 and three right now. You want to fire a guy? Probably, they're gonna, probably going to go 8-4, and 9-3. <laughs> This is a tough football team. They're consi- they're gonna they're gonna do this. They're gonna do that, uh, which is ironically how Utah fans are. Like just yeah, well, Utah <laughs> fans, we have trophies now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chip Kelly has some trophies, but uh, it's been a been a long time. Uh, they play Arizona State next week. They should win that game, especially because Arizona State's offensive line is uh, – <laughs> we'll get to them. But, buddy, that is a uh, hazard. The quarterback for Arizona State should receive hazard pay as uh, Matthew Richardson just gets so disgusted and decides to walk away. Um, so, I don't know. They probably are winning eight games because they play at USC and then they play Cal. They probably are they, going eight and four. They're I hope they likely extend to- Chip Kelly. Yeah, uh, it, the noise around him is getting louder. Uh, we'll see. I, knowing more, UCLA, they what aren't more should you expect into. from yeah. UCLA than an eight and four season? I feel like for the type of program that UCLA is, eight and four is really great, and you shouldn't expect more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I expect more. I don't I don't really care. <laughs> I'd rather go like four and eight and five and seven and fire a coach every two or three years than than this honestly I, i'm making like, a joke because you should absolutely expect more from ucla they're they're like a blue blood program and, I, and this is what i said <laughs> to utah fans back in the days like i you know like 
you should expect more of Utah. I think you I know, don't think Utah, Utah fans, fans should expect more than eight and four. I feel like eight and four is like a good expectation for Utah. They've won the Pac-12 twice. I guess now. <laughs> that's the that's the thing is they have that higher ceiling than they thought. Anyway, so that's uh that is UCLA. That is there. Any other thoughts about Arizona UCLA before we move on here? All right, then if that's the case, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the slate. We'll talk uh, some stonks. Don't go anywhere. Homefieldapparel.com, your home for all of your vintage collegiate apparel needs. It is officially hoodie season, and the super soft hoodies and crewnecks at Homefield are by far the highest quality, best looking hoodie season companions on the market. And to make sure that you remain adequately cozy through the season, Homefield is offering a 20% off the entire site Black Friday sale with the code Black Friday. Valid from November 18th through November 27th. All Pac-12 schools except Oregon and Stanford have gorgeous collections. The Beavlet collection is my personal favorite. And if you're just looking to troll your favorite Oregon fan, they also have a great UCI shirt that is one of their best sellers. Make sure to get your orders in early as items are subject to sell out, and this is the biggest discount Homefield offers all year. Once again, that is code Black Friday, all one word, for 20% off the entire site from November 18th through the 27th at homefieldapparel.com. Many thanks to the good brand for fulfilling our holiday consumerism buckets. Next segment here, uh, meaning grapes, another get another hot. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to talk a, talk a couple of other games here. Wazoo drops its fifth straight game to Stanford in an ugly one. They lose in Pullman, ten to seven. Wazoo gained just two hundred and forty-five yards of total offense and just four yards rushing. Uh, <laughs> Not 40, four. Uh, four. Four yards. Single digits. Uh, four, 40, right? It was 40. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in Boulder, Colorado drops its third straight game and fifth game in six tries, losing to Oregon State 26-19. Both of these teams, Wazoo and Colorado, started a combined 7-0 and to start the season and were actually ranked, if you can believe it, at some point. Uh, and now they're combined 1-10 since then. So let's talk about these two teams right now. Uh, and let's start with... Avery, uh, <laughs> I'm like struggling right now because I had I was like, all right, I should take one before the ad break, and I didn't. Now it's it's bad. <laughs> uh, grapes. Whose tailspin between Colorado and Wazoo is most concerning to you? They're both concerning. I mean, I feel like we're at the point with so many losses for Washington State in a row that like we've hit concerning and <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> we've like run past concerning. The thing with Washington State, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday. I was like, man, they look so different than the way they started the season. And I think I, I concluded that it's because teams got tape on them. And once you get this Washington State offense on tape, it's like pretty clear how to stop them. Like it's a very one-dimensional offense. They're not talented team. So they can't make up shit on the fly and change like they have to go with their game plan. They have to go with what they prepared prior to the season because they just don't have the talent to throw random shit out there and hope it works so that, i think that's like the most frustrating thing with wazoo is like they were a genuinely like fun offense to watch and their defense was like just good enough that they seemed like they could be competitive this season but i mean they can't run the ball so like what are you gonna fucking do if you're an under talented offense that can't run the ball nothing and it pisses me off because i said earlier this season that oregon state and washington state playing in week four was like one of the worst scheduling decisions that the pac-12 made because i i feel 
100% confident, and obviously we can never prove this, but I think everyone else probably feels this way. If Oregon State and Washington State played tomorrow, Oregon State would win by 30 points. Yeah. I feel that way. And yeah. I think it's just a matter of Oregon State not being able to prepare for them the way that every other team that Washington State has played since has, which is yeah. extremely frustrating because now Oregon State is dealing with that loss on their record that just keeps looking worse and worse and worse every single week. Greg, Reed, Matt, either any of you agree that it's Washington State whose tailspin is most concerning to you? Um, I think I would have agreed that there is more concerning if not for Deion Sanders benching Sean Lewis. Yeah. Uh, that That's is bad. a really bad look. I think it's I would be pretty concerned about that if I was if I was a Colorado fan, because I don't think Sean Lewis can be blamed for that offensive line being as bad as it is, I think that was just always going to happen. And, I mean, we saw what they were like without him. It's not like it got so much better this last game with Pat Pat Schumer. That's the... Shermer or whatever. Shermer. Yeah. Isn't, he yeah, just some yeah, old, yeah. isn't he like a super old, old NFL coach? coach who was yeah. not good in the NFL. Like, yeah, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is... It's a weird replacement. I think it's probably going to affect who they're able to get in the offseason. You know, assuming they try and go somewhere else, because there's no way Sean Lewis is sticking around uh, after getting benched like this. It's a bad look, and I'm pretty concerned because, like with Colorado, for me, they already met the qualifications for a successful season. But in order to like keep keep treading water there, you need to not turn into a tire fire by the end of the year. Like you can lose those games, but like off-field coaches getting benched, that's like dying coach flailing kind of stuff. And obviously Dion isn't that, and it just feels weirdly accelerated. I don't know why this is happening. It feels wrong. Yeah. It's it's sort of, and I will make yet another public apology for jumping on the Colorado bandwagon as hard as I did after those first three games. I mean, it just, like, those first three games, they feel like such a different team. Like, I... It's crazy to watch Colorado get completely kicked around the way they are. I am more concerned about Colorado as uh, their tailspin because your point, Greg, like it's like Deion Sanders is starting to say things that people are raising their eyebrows at. That people are like, starting, I don't huh? know, dude. Like just um, now, Matthew Richardson, you're muted, so that's good. <laughs> you should stay that way. Um, <laughs> um, He's he's he said uh, about his offensive line. Uh, it's clear that the problem is the players, and we need to get new players. Horrible shit to say to your offensive line. <laughs> yeah. um, they've been getting their asses kicked, and now what? What, what their motor? Their their coach is basically like, I'm cutting your asses next year. Um, and then to go out and blame your offensive coordinator, which like frankly has been the only good thing about your team that they've been able to scheme an offense that at least looks workable sometimes um, with that offensive line. They don't have many options available to them, and it's been, like, fine. It's been a massive improvement over what they've had. To blame Sean Lewis for this, since I'm going to take play calling to it and give it a patch fucking Shermer, it's absolutely absurd decision. Um, silly stuff. That is, And that's from Deion Sanders. If Deion Sanders, like, just didn't say anything like that, like, just would not, would, did not, throw anyone else under the bus and and gave the most basic most milk toast coach speak that you could on those specific topics and made you know just sort of reevaluated everything in the offseason 
we would not be talking about like we're talking about Colorado kind of tail spinning, but like ah right, they're competitive, they're kind of you know whatever. They have some severe roster problems. Now it's starting to get weird. Now it's starting to get like mm, I don't know. They're acting like they're USC in that oh shit, we've lost these games and we expected to be national championship contenders and everything's falling apart. I think I think he's putting the heat on himself here. Uh, so yeah, I am more concerned about Colorado, more so for like not even the wins and losses, right? Um, so uh, Matthew Hubertson, we'll go to you, Graves, afterwards. But let's get to Matthew Hubertson. What do you what, what do you think? Is it are you more concerned by Colorado's tailspin or are you more concerned by Wazoo's? I'm I'm more concerned about Wazoo's, but I can't let you get away with so so now. Dion is saying stuff like like now he's saying stuff that is putting the heat on him and that is is like aggressive towards his players that's happening now but not before that's what i think there's a huge difference i think there is a huge difference between you know talking your players up and telling them saying that they're the you're you're gonna kick everyone's ass and kind of doing that sort of stuff and yeah we're actually gonna get uh, a new offensive line. Now he did oh, that. He to said start. this exact shit in the offseason. At, at the start, <laughs> when he first got there, after the spring game, the after... day after, the day of the spring game, he said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> didn't didn't come new. with trying. Then then taking away play calling duties from your offensive coordinator. But okay, yeah. Like he's, it, he's always been saying this stuff, and like I. I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, keep that same energy, but kind of. Like, if it was okay in the spring game, it's okay today. And I was not okay in the spring game. It wasn't even okay when he first got there. And it was always a gamble that that stuff, he was, like, kind of approaching this as if they, like, he was coming in really, really confident. And we sort of said, well, they better win because this is a lot of stuff and it's coming back to bite him. I think it's, like, I, I think it's the first time that we've seen, I think it's one thing to just, like, tell a bunch of dudes as motivation, like, you, you got you to gotta be better or your ass is out of here. Versus, like, in season, like, we've got to get, we're losing because of our players. Like, I think those two are completely different things. I will say, you're right, Matt. It's consistent. I would say it's consistent. It's not, mm-hmm. like, out of character for Deion Sanders to say that. It is very consistent with what he said. But I think it means something different when you're actually losing football games right now in November. That's what I think. Yeah, Avery, I, just, we, oh, I, I guess I give Dion more credit than that. Like he knew he was going to be losing these games from day okay. one when he stepped okay. in that building. Like yeah. I, you know, I just I don't I don't think that he was naive enough to believe that like the change would be that dramatic that they'd be going nine and three. <laughs> yeah, Avery, so. what are, what were you going to say? Say that you can't have both with Dion Sanders. Like the reason he was mm-hmm. able to completely overturn his roster and make Colorado into like a somewhat successful program after how bad they were before he got here also goes hand in hand with him making like a lot of remarks and being overconfident like a coach a normal college football coach that does the coach speak bullshit and does the conservative play calling bullshit and all that is not going to overturn the roster in the way that Deion Sanders did in the offseason so I feel like you can't expect him to completely change how he is as a coach because if he starts doing the coach speak thing and doesn't make all these rash decisions in game and with his offensive coordinator, like he's also not the coach that's going to completely change Colorado. Like what Matt said, this is still a successful season for Colorado. He was not supposed to be winning these games. Even if, like Colorado would not be winning these games if he wasn't here. If he wasn't here, Colorado wouldn't have beaten TCU. So it kind of just comes with who he is as a person, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of the, yeah, the, the upsides and the, like the, pros and the cons and the benefits and the downsides and all that other stuff. I think, I think that is absolutely right. Reed, you more concerned by Wazoo's tailspin or Colorado's? 
Well, I want to talk a little bit about Colorado still and just say everyone needs to calm down. Like, are you eating, and, are you eating a salsa there? Yeah, what's no, happening? Are you joining us here? <laughs> like, that's the issue is he's creating yeah. this chaotic culture there where the the thing that we liked about Colorado's start was, wow, they're managing these games pretty well. He made some really good coaching hires. Um and because of that, they're able to coach around the flaws of the roster. And he did like none of that stuff in this game. He managed the end of the first half horribly. He didn't kick an onside kick with a minute 40 left and counted on his defense to stop Oregon State from running for a first down. Like completely idiotic. We knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, and, and it was just like to panic and get rid of your OC. He's acting like... You know what? It, it's what Lincoln Riley should be doing with Alex Grinch, but the difference is like Lincoln Riley's in year six or whatever with Grinch <laughs> and knows what happens. And this is like year one, eight games into a season that shouldn't be that successful when you're overachieving and you're panicking because you you have this need to overaccelerate everything. And sometimes, like this is the case for a guy like Jed Fish who quietly took their lumps, lost a shit ton of games, and quietly just built a really good culture. And two years later, they emerge and they can do their stuff, you know? But at Colorado, they're trying to, like, just build this thing so fast that it's all crumbling, and now there's bad publicity, and they're actually not recruiting that well. Um, and their, their roster, shocker, you can't just look at the team talent composite and take it as an absolute fact. They're not the sixth most talented roster in the or sixth best roster in the conference because they don't have any offensive linemen and they have a pretty bad defense. So it's like they just needed to give themselves more time and Dion's attitude isn't giving this team any time to develop. But that doesn't originate with Dion Sanders. That's like all of the pressure coming from college football, coming from him being hired. Like, yeah, he's the type of person that wants to win now, but it's not like he just decided to be super urgent. I mean, like, he, since he was hired, but, all of this pressure was put on him to win now. But he's no not one, tried to manage expectations at all. Yeah. And no one asked him to demote Sean Lewis. Like, yeah, no Who, one said he should do that. That was that was just him acting out. It's completely irrational and just like so over aggressive to fix a problem that can be fixed with time. And, like, we need to be very clear. Sean Lewis will be a top head coaching candidate this year. Yeah. yeah. UCLA, like, UCLA, I think UCLA like is, would be, that would be a great hire for UCLA. This is not the Sean same Lewis thing as getting coach. rid of Grinch at yeah. all. Like, <laughs> this is, like, yeah. this is complete and total apples and oranges. And you're right. Like, this is how Lincoln should be treating Grinch. And you're doing it to a guy that would get a head coaching job tomorrow if he asked for it. I just think but we need I to recognize that there's extra pressure on black head coaches to succeed yes, now that, yeah, sure, that yeah. Lincoln yes. Riley wouldn't have. If if Lincoln Riley was a black head coach, he would have been fired already. Like, this would not be happening. That's, yes, and that's what, part of the pressure here. And what I was going to say is that, okay, demoting Sean Lewis is, like, not a great move. Uh, it was it was bad, and him throwing his players under the bus is bad. We do not have the same energy as as a college football community for people like who like Mike Leach has done nothing differently than what Deion Sanders has done. Well, he did die. Nothing. So he did. Yeah, that which was one of the few good things he did here. Um, 
<laughs> but Mike Leach did nothing differently at Washington State, at Texas Tech. Like, did nothing differently than what Dion is doing here. But we do not have the same energy for Mike Leach that we are giving to Dion Sanders. Like, Mike Leach gets the, oh, he's quirky and, like, yeah, cool, the pirate. He's he so was He quirky. was throwing chairs at his players. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, he's the Bobby. On. He was the Bobby Knight. Also another person who uh, was abusive and probably uh, their and legacy needs to be reclaimed. Yeah, another and also one who died. died. <laughs> um, but, like, we can, do not we just... have the same energy for for uh, those players and I think those coaches. And I think it is a little racialized. I think that Deion Sanders did come in and, and sort of have this approach and was, you know, as loud as a Mike Leach. But the difference is, is that, I don't know, he was loud in a way that made people uncomfortable, which is often racialized. He's not absolved from criticism. The Sean Lewis decision was crazy. Like I will admit that that was crazy. But I, I do, I do feel like the expectations from the get go were extremely high for him. And part of that was how he approached the situation. But part of that is how Colorado has dealt with their previous head coaches. Yeah, right. What were you gonna say, Reed? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, undeniably, race is a factor. Like, you can't look at this sport and the history of this mm-hmm. country and Deion Sanders and act like it has nothing to do with race. That's absurd. Uh, and I think especially in the roster turnover point, I think that's a great one, Avery. Like, that is what he needed to do. He executed it, you know, uh, a little bit aggressively in terms of communication, but in terms of the actual results of turning over the roster really well, given what Colorado was in 2022. But I think it's tough to analyze Dion too because he is a one of one character at the same time. Like they're they're I get, you know, Leech is quirky too, but there isn't like a white Dion Sanders exactly. He's he's a Mike, singular I would personality. Say Mike Leach, I would say Mike Leach was a I white think that's no, a weird comparison and you shouldn't say that. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it's a good comparison at all because like they're good for completely different reasons. Like when they do their job well they have completely re- different reasons for doing it. And Mike Leach never lifted up his players in the way that Deion Sanders has. Yeah, that's has. true. Like, yeah, yes. Deion I mean, Sanders didn't really handle the whole roster turnover turnover with the most grace in the world, and he probably could have been softer with these, like, literal teenagers. But Mike Leach was an asshole every single week to his players. He yes, did that's not. Fair. He did not go to the post games and, like, gloat about his players. Whenever he failed, he blamed his players. Whenever he succeeded, he didn't, like lift anyone up yeah i mean, that's that's fair and i will say about the roster construction issues and him turning it over we have spent we have said multiple times already just on this one episode that you can't build an offensive line through the portal and there was actually there's like literally no other option for Deion sanders right like <laughs> yeah he didn't yeah. Ha- he hasn't had four years to try to build an offensive line now I don't know what they're I I'm pretty sure they don't have a ton of underclassmen on the offensive line that they're going to be developing through here. Um but they they're losing Sean Lewis, so that's going to be tough because Sean Lewis absolutely will leave after this. Um and Colorado like just doesn't they they have to play these grad transfers and these pieces that they've had to put together. So like I don't necessarily blame him for the offensive line issues either. Uh he did put them together, but like yeah, he shouldn't be saying throwing them under the bus. I mean, I think the coach speak is like, look, these dudes need to gel. They have a year to gel. Like, we're not, you know, you could do any of those things. But I don't know. I just think that, like, the criticism against Deion Sanders is totally warranted. He does not have a blank check to say whatever he wants. Uh, but I do think it has to be contextualized because, like, man, people have been preying on on these yes. this sort of collapse 
for for Deion Sanders. Yeah, that that to me, like, look, very good chance. If you are listening to this podcast specifically, you do not hate Dion because he is black. Like, that's I get right. That. But for every one of our listeners, there are ten thousand ticket buyers that kind of do. And I do think that it is especially important to talk, you know, as far as pre- the preaching to the choir here comes in in the idea of, hey, we need to look at the decisions that Dion makes through the lens of there are a lot of people that are preying on this because he is black and because of the racial implications there. And so, yeah, when you are looking at criticizing this decision to bench on Lewis and to talk about his players in the way that he has and do the roster turnover and everything like that, the context of he is a black coach and and the way that they get treated specifically professionally and specifically by the people that cut their checks is very different and does inform those decisions specifically. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I appreciate the nuanced conversation uh, uh, about this because, like, it is it is wrapped up in in race, especially for a coach who's who like is very proud of his blackness um, and is very proud of his culture and for whom that is very center, right? Like, people when people say like, "Oh, you're a Florida State guy," he's like, "I'm not a Florida State guy. I'm an HBCU guy. I graduated. I literally have a degree from an HBCU, even though he did play college football at, at Florida State." Um, Right. It's things like that. And so, like, you know, it's 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 even more charged when you have a coach like Deion Sanders, who is proud of of his blackness and who does, uh, you know, it it does not hide it the way that I think some coaches feel forced to do um, or feel pressure to do. Uh, So, you know, I think I think it's absolutely worth a nuanced conversation. I appreciate you all 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 having that. Um, It is one last thing. It is also very fair to say that Deion's experience as a black coach is very different from every other black coach in the profession. Yeah. Very true. Very fair to say that too. <laughs> yeah, but also very interesting. It is and it isn't. Started at a small HBCU, got hired at one of the worst Power Five jobs at the time in the country. Like, not an like, not an not a totally different path, uh, but definitely a different like a different experience. Just because he he has the brand name and you know can get players that no one else can. So kind of it's been really interesting to. To study the Colorado experience. Um, real quick though, <laughs> Wazoo's getting off easy because we're talking about <laughs> yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I, I'm like, this is actually the, <laughs> the collapse. They're I'm the. I about. am. I am way, oh. way more concerned about Washington State as a program right now. Mm-hmm. Where they are, they have gotten figured the fuck out. Uh, UCLA did not. I don't want to say like UCLA broke them, but UCLA put together a game plan and like. Washington State has not recovered. They have done absolutely nothing. Their offense is straight up broken. Against a Stan- they scored seven points against a Stanford defense that like was challenging USC for worst defense in the Pac-12. That is a dog shit defense. And to get seven points at home against that Stanford team that was also doing nothing on offense, that's fucking humiliating. Um, like Ben Arbuckle, like is in over his skis right now. Jake Dickert, like, slowly things are devolved. Like, they are unraveling to, for him right now. To that, go, that program's broken, straight they up. They can't change anything, though. They don't have the talent to change anything. They're in a situation where they're just like, well, what What do we even fucking do? Uh, like, I you think, don't have a I solution think, here because you can't run the fucking ball. You don't have a running back. Like, But I think that's part of the concern, right? Like, I... They went 14 weeks, going back to last year and the beginning of this year, of a real like proof of concept. I can see how this can translate to 
the G5 future that they are unfortunately at. And to free fall this aggressively really concerns me for what the next 14 weeks look like is, is well, really is where I'm projecting. And regardless of how they played, the concern was already there because they don't know what fucking conference they're going to be in. How are they going to get players to commit to their team? How are they going to get coaches to stick around when they have no idea what their future is? Like, yeah. I don't, Obviously, how they started this season and to where they are, like the fall has been horrible, but it's fucking Washington State, the least talented team in this conference. Like, what are they I, supposed to do? Just, how are they supposed I to felt, fix it? I just, I felt like Washington State was poised very similarly to Utah, where like you are going to a lesser conference at this point, but you're coming off of a season where you're ranked in the top 20, top 15, and you are clearly going into that conference as the class of the conference. And you can recruit on that. Boise State no, has done it for years. Because they're going Utah with Oregon State. Like you can't, you can't fucking compare them to Utah. That's fucked up because Utah's what? going to a power five conference and Washington state is floating in compare them shark to Oregon water. State. Oregon, look what Oregon state is doing. Like, I, yeah, like, I that's don't know. a fair comparison, but Utah isn't. Yeah. Okay. But they are, but Oregon state is maybe slightly structurally more advantaged than Washington state, but not by a whole lot. But Oregon state's been able to build longer because they've had like a steady head coach. They didn't have to deal with the whole, Oh, promising head coach is actually a COVID denier. And now we have to fire him <laughs> and we have to hire our DC because nobody wants to coach in fucking Pullman. Like they, they decided, okay, hold on a second. They decided to forego a coaching search to hang on to Jake Dickert after after he was uh, named the interim, like that he was had the right a, hire, a, though. I mean, now it's not. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, in hindsight, he's like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. But like, they have been on a tailspin. Like, they had a great first four weeks of this season. They were on a little bit of a tailspin at the end of last season, and now the bottom has like fallen out. They look like the worst team in the Pac-12 by I, pretty comfortably, honestly. The only reason I like, you know, when I ranked my teams that I didn't put them dead last is because like, I don't know, they won those four games against two of them were like really one of them was like a, uh, a middling big 10 team and the other ones ranked in the top 15 like I, I that's the only reason but other than that there's no discernible difference i tell there is a discernible discernible difference between stanford and arizona state in that they got their ass kicked by both of them this is the worst team in the pac-12 by a, a huge margin jake dickert has not done enough on the recruiting trail and we can talk about oh you know the recruiting and like all the position he's in again oregon state Exactly the same position. They, the trajectories are no different. Um, giving Dickert three more years is not going to fix this. Like, it's just not. So, yeah, it, unfortunately, it this just, is where Washington State is. I just don't know. What were we going to say, Matt? It just it felt like they were going to go into the next season, whatever that was, whatever the recruiting pitch was going to be, as far as whether it's the Mountain West, but we've rebranded it the Pac-12, or it's actually the Mountain West. Like, it felt like they were going to go into that with some sort of foundation of saying, hey, we just won nine games. This is what we have going on. This is what we've clearly been building. And now we get to just go beat the fuck out of dudes. Now we have a chance to legitimately go undefeated. And now I'm looking at that conference and like what's remaining. And I'm like, are you even going to be top four? Yeah. Here's and a that, solution for your Jake Dickert. That's a big drop. Here's a solution for your Jake Dickert problem, Carlos. He's going to be go be a DC somewhere, right? He's oh, not going to be head coach next year. He's going to go be a DC, yeah. a DC. So Washington State doesn't have to worry about it. They can go head out on the head coach. They have to worry and... about paying a buyout, though, which I assume is the reason they hired Jake Dickert is because whoever they hire is going to They don't have, have to pay a buyout if he goes and gets a DC yeah. job somewhere. No, they have to pay a buyout for a new coach if they want a guy who is a head coach. I mean, no. but They're the, not okay, going to get we... someone who's a head coach. Yeah, Are you yeah, serious? you got to lower the bar. Please. Yeah. It's, yeah, lower the, they're going to have to hire an assistant. Yeah. 
like, you got to lower the bar. A position coach, like, a, a, or or like a, a head coach at like a low level FCS team. Like that's what. And honestly, is that much different than what Washington State's been hiring anyway? No, like it's not. Like that's the profile of the kind of coach they've been getting mostly. Like, so yeah, it's not that much different. Um, and you know, it's out there. They 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 probably could make it. I think Washington State's uh, athletic department is really good. I the difference now is that I think coaches are less likely going to see Washington State as a place they want to be for a few years and more as a stepping stone. That'll be the difference. And then also, I mean, the talent wise. <laughs> They've gotten Mountain West level talent anyway, so like I don't know what's going to change for them. Um, I, I don't know. It's Washington State's in a really precarious situation right now, um, and they desperately wanted this season to be good. I think a lot of people desperately wanted them to be good this season, um, and they're they are they've just fallen off a cliff. There's this is this is a this is going to be a brutal end to their season. They get one more winnable game, I think, on their schedule, and that's home against Colorado. But at Cal, suddenly feels unreachable right now. Um, and at Washington, Washington might just completely destroy them in a way yep. that they have never seen. Um, like USC, UCLA, 2011, 50-0 level. Like, that's how bad it could get. So, um, I don't know. Washington State and Colorado both in some tailspins. But uh, the, the difference is, I think, is that Washington State's in year three and Colorado's in year one. Um, that is, that is a, a, a big, big enough difference to me. Um, any other any other things? Go ahead, Reed. Sorry, you're Colo- on stack. Yeah, no worries. Colorado has a future, though. I mean, like, I, I take no joy in saying this, but the past five day- games have done, like, irreparable harm to the future of Washington State football. They're going to probably have to move on from their coach. They have a very limited pool of who to hire. And how do you say going forward that this is a better job than Fresno State or San Diego State or like, is it even better than Boise at a G5 level? I mean, everything. It's literally an hour away from Boise. Why would you not go to Boise? Like, yeah, they have yeah, a major yeah. airport. So yeah, so no, it's, <laughs> it, it really is. And frankly, the same might go for Oregon State. But yes, this reeks of Tulane leaving like the Big South Conference, right? Okay, that that's uncalled for. <laughs> what do you mean it's uncalled for? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, I'm agreeing with you, asshole. Uh, yeah, but you're yeah. taking shots at his beloved Green Wave. Yeah, oh my, my alma gosh. mater. Um, Jesus. Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. All right, well, let's move on. Let's. Uh, those two teams, ha- programs, have a lot to figure shit out, but... Washington State, I think we can agree, is, is in a really, really precarious position here with the transition they're about to undergo. Uh, but let's let's move on to happier times. Let's move on to the rest of the slate. Rapid fire. Avery, uh, rapid fire unfortunately means we must insert a fire, a uh, little must insert a fire into our mouth for each game we Blood discuss. is going to start dripping from my nose. So this Please is don't be, say insert a fire into my mouth ever again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll start after I introduce each one of these games. Uh, we didn't talk too much about Oregon State or, or Stanford side of those two games. Let's get a quick reaction to Oregon State beating Colorado. Reed, what did you think of the Beavs? They were fine. I don't know, man. I mean... It wasn't great, really. The, the offense was mediocre against a pretty horrific Colorado defense. 
The defense did better than I expected. Colorado kind of figured out something late. Um, I don't know, man. It was fine. They still lost to Wazoo, though. Yeah, what that loss was worse and worse. Um, I, I think road, Oregon State's roadways are kind of officially overblown now. I, I think they did well offensively against Colorado, honestly. It's just that they had two turnovers and two drives stalled out in the red zone. That's like the diff- That's like a 28-point difference there. Um, I don't think they were like perfect, but I, I think they were fine. I think the road woes are now overblown. I think there's a ceiling to how bad they are on the road, and I think that means Oregon State could still have a special season that, that everyone is hoping for. Greg, what about you? What did you think of Oregon State? <laughs> fine. Cool. Matthew Hubertson? Um, at one point, I believe the score of this game was 25 to or to, yeah, it was 20. So it was 23 to five, and I have never rooted for a like another two point conversion or a touchdown <laughs> without like giving me a 29 to five score or something like that. Hard. 25 was, to five. Like, <laughs> yeah, it would have been amazing. Um, yeah. Ultimately, though, like Oregon State not being absolutely lethal on offense. At this point, like it's time to say that that's just not happening, and that has might have been might be a top three disappointment this season for me. Interesting, uh, Avery. I love DJU, I love him, but at this point, you have to do everything in your power to keep Aiden Childs on this fucking yeah, team. <laughs> Give him it's... the starting job if you need to build for the future. <laughs> like he is great, you can't let him get away. Give him whatever he wants. Yeah, I agree. Moving quickly here as we take another hot chip. Uh, Stanford won its second oh, game God. of the conference play. It's the third of the season. Greg, let's start with you. You're encouraged by Stanford. You like in their direction. Regrettably, Troy Taylor's done a really good job this season. Like, Stanford looks competent at various points, which is I just fully did not expect that at all this season. He's done a great job. Stanford looks solid. They're not going to go into the ACC full of like depression, which is what I thought we were going to get from them. So good job. Matthew Robertson, Conference in Stanford, are they back? No, there's so much trauma watching this team. They're not confident at all. They just played a shit team right now. Like that was that was that was one of the ugliest football games I've ever watched. That was so bad. It was disgusting. Yeah, we didn't even talk about how shitty of a football game it was. Ten to seven. Come on. Come on. Avery? I have never been so disappointed. Oh. Here's, here's actually the big thing, why you cannot think that Stanford is any good. Um, fucking Cam Ward's play? Ooh. <laughs> where he almost took three sacks on the same play. They were all horrendous. Like, I've never seen a more Cam Ward play because he t- almost took three sacks that were horrible sacks. Would have been the worst sack to play. Then he throws it. the ball across <laughs> his body 25 yards down the field in a ball that can only be described as Peyton Manning in his final season, but it went more than 13 yards. And the like shit somehow got caught. That was a great catch. Was great. Ever seen, I have never seen a ball go that far with so little of a spiral. It was insane. <laughs> Reed, thoughts on Stanford? Time to play everyone's favorite game. Listeners, what position is Justin Lampson? He had 20 carries and one pass attempt. Tight end. If you said quarterback, you're correct. Uh, (laughs) Holy shit, they ran quarterback power over and over and over. Never gained more than 10 yards, and yet they won. I love the Stanford team. You know those jokes we make about just go triple options. Stanford's doing it. They're literally doing it right now. Um, Crazy, crazy shit. Um, yeah, Stanford, I don't know how I feel about them. I still think they're kind of poopy, but uh, I don't know. Here's the thing. 
I think we should talk about Stanford's position uh, the way we talk about Oregon State and Wazoo. I don't care. I think they're making probably as much money, if not even less money, than what those two will be making. Uh, so one of these days we'll have to have a little eulogy for Cal and Stanford because I think they're in shittier position than Oregon State and Wazoo, which is crazy. Oh, you're high. You're absolutely high. They're, they're going to be losing money playing in a conference. Losing money. Come on. Uh, Every college football team loses money. Rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> move on. Moving on to the rest of the slate. Moving on to another acid drip chip. Grapes, get it ready. Utah beat the fucking grace off Arizona State uh, 55-3. to ASU gained 83 total yards of offense. Uh, and it frankly looked like Utah was trying to run up the score in this one. Beth Hubertson, give me a thought on this game. Dude, I'm so excited for Big 12 fans to see this rivalry and to validate all of our feelings of how much Utah fucking hates this team. <laughs> like, they hate Arizona State. This was so mean on every, at every moment. They were just being fucking mean to Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham spends the week talking about how much he loves Utah. Talks about media day. I went to Coach Witt and I talked about how much I admire him, how I want to be like him. And then Whittingham during the game is just like, fuck you. I'm not going <laughs> to stop scoring. 55 to 3. We own you. It was hilarious. Although I do think Utah was not trying to run up the score on that last touchdown. Uh, it was fourth down, so that's why they didn't kneel it. And uh, you don't expect the sixth string walk on running back to break for a 30 yard touchdown. <laughs> yes, you absolutely did. You absolutely do when you have beaten the absolute breaks off of the other team and if you care to not run it up you say you go down after getting the first down you do not score <laughs> yeah and he scored yeah that's my thinking exactly uh reed what do you think if there is any scholarship quarterback that survives to next week surely they will be eliminated by ucla ucla oh god meaning uh, that, on UCLA back meaning Cameron the wild, the wild scat will emerge at home versus a top five Oregon team. Let's go. Cameron scat back, baby. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Great. Right. I've, I've never rooted for injuries before. <laughs> no, I'm not rooting for injuries. I don't even uh, think you need to root for them. I think it's just going to happen. Prayers up this, to Jacob Conover, man. Jesus Christ. Can uh, we be honest that this is what actually killed the Pac-12? Is like It should be illegal for you to have to play Utah and then UCLA's defensive lines back-to-back. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, Especially. Arizona State, probably not a great performance from them, but uh, I, I, uh, I think Utah, I don't know. Utah's doing it to me again. Oh, okay, could they uh, beat Arizona and Tucson? Would be wild. Would be crazy. There are, there are some walk-on ASU linemen who are questioning their love of the sport right now, and to me, that's beautiful. <laughs> that happens every year. Every year in this game. Yeah, it really does. God, that offensive line has not been good in a decade. It feels like Avery. Quick thought on Arizona State in, losing Utah. In like 20 this. years, we're going to be looking back at the Arizona State-Utah rivalry like a Hatfields and McCoy-level conflict. But it didn't start with stealing a pig. It started with Jaden Daniels' mom. And uh-huh. that is just so fucking funny to me. Like, this rivalry <laughs> transcends coaching changes and staff overhauls. Like, this, this permeates through everything. Like, Arizona State cannot get away from this. Do not Google Jaden Daniels' mom, Antonio Pierce. <laughs> Do not Google that. Last game of the slate here, and our uh, next chip, Avery. 
Uh, Oregon took Cal to the fucking woodshed. They beat the Bears 63-19 in Eugene. Reed, honk us away for this one. The start of this game was an absolute disaster. It was <laughs> raining. So funny. Like, I was just, why? Why did the vibes have to be this bad? Thankfully, it was the Tez Johnson game in every sense of the word. Uh, a bit of bad to start, but he had 12 catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, a really good kick return, too. He's awesome. He's a legit wide receiver, too. Uh, Greg? I don't have a lot to say other than, like like Reed said, Tez Johnson, great. <laughs> Oregon, still great. I, I'm not going to take a lot away from this. I'm still Cal curious. Uh, also... I, I knew this was going to be ugly, but it's okay. Cal, we're, we ride into next week. Please, please stop. Avery? I'm hearing that it never rains in the Pacific Northwest in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Oregon obliterated Cal. Despite all the Oregon fans in my fucking mentions right now, I wanted this to happen. I'm 0-9 on Cal picks. Nice. Nice work. Matt Hubert said USC is so bad. The USC is so, so bad. How did they make this Cal offense look competent? I'm telling you, there's just a ceiling for how bad a defense can be, and they've hit it. Cal scored 49. Did Washington? Washington's offense is triple the times number better. They only got three more points. There's just only so many possessions that you can allow scores on. Like, (laughs) they're so bad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think. Oregon looks like the best team. They're not taking care of. They're not doing any dumb shit with uh, shitty teams. So they're just quietly doing what they have to do. They get a decently sized game against a uh, UFC team that might have given up. So I guess we will find out. All right. That is our uh, rapid fire segment. Let's move on to talk about our next segment and another uh, hot chip for Avery and I. Let's do some stonks. Reed, take us away. The stonk market's back open at the conclusion of week 10. Uh, We're back here with the Pac-12 stonk market. In case you missed it, each team has a made-up dollar of value assigned to them. And just like the real stock market, nobody is quite sure where that number comes from. So without further ado, here are the updated evaluations on every Pac-12 program. We have uh, Washington at the very top at $85 per share, following them up Oregon at $70 per share. Arizona surging to $50 per share. Uh, then some other contenders here. Oregon State at $40 per share. Utah at $35 per share. USC and UCLA with their one-sided competence tied at $25 per share. And then at the bottom, two conference wins Stanford at $10 per share. And in the basement, Cal, Arizona State, Colorado, and Wazoo all at $5 per share. Thank you, Reed. Uh, and without further, further ado, we can get into the updated evaluations uh, for each of these No Truck Stops hosts. Avery had a share of Wazoo, a share of USC, 10 shares of Cal, and two shares of Stanford <laughs> holding over from quarter two. Those did not perform very well for her. She, her uh, portfolio plummeted in value from $140 down to 100 Avery, what trades would you like to make this week? Here's what I have to say. Just like the normal stock market, Reed has built this that so that women and people of color fail. <laughs> this is built so that white men will succeed, and somehow Matt is still losing, which I think is the most <laughs> embarrassing thing about all of this. Fuck you, Reed. I do not understand why you're valuing wins more 
than how the team has improved because Cal should absolutely be worth 10 bucks. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Fuck you for that. Stanford cannot be 10. Cal be five. And like Arizona State and Wazoo be five. Arizona State yeah. and Wazoo should be zero. My Cal, guy. Cal should not be in the same <laughs> ranking here as fucking Wazoo and Arizona State. That is criminal. And I hate Stock it. Weird, sure, Stock surely weird. they've surely they've won a game in the last month. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't value wins over improvement because they've played like three ranked teams. Anyways, whatever. I'll fuck you. It's it's um, the invisible hand of the market. It's not me. I don't like you. <laughs> Wait, put so up, put up the money so I can make money. You are money. way too high on Washington. That is insane. Fifteen dollars higher than Oregon, $35 higher than Arizona. Fuck off. How much money do I have? A hundred? Okay, I'm gonna go with, oh, I'm gonna go with one share of Utah, one share of Oregon State. That leaves me with, what, 25? And then put the rest on Arizona State. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So that's five shares of Arizona no, State. No, fuck. I shouldn't do that. I I shouldn't <laughs> be that confident that they'll beat Oregon. That's silly. <laughs> um, UCLA also. <laughs> and Arizona. <laughs> fuck. Oh, God damn it. I don't like these numbers. Let's do... Uh, let's just do the rest on Cal again. That's fine. Five shares of Cal. Five okay. shares of... Okay. Crazy. <laughs> Next up, Reed. Uh, next up is Carlos. Carlos actually had a pretty good Q2. Uh, he had was holding a share of UCLA, a share of Arizona, and a share of Utah, and that rocketed his value from eighty dollars up to a hundred and ten dollars. Carlos, what would you like to do with that? Ah, oh, this is getting weird. It's getting weird and it's getting hard. Um, we're getting some tough games over here in Q4 in the in the final stretch of uh, the trading season here. Um, and I think, I think the cream will rise to the top. I'm going to put seven, I'm going to pay $70 to get a share of Oregon. Uh, they, they, I got to imagine that's going to skyrocket over the next couple of weeks. They have a 58% chance to win out. I'm going to go with that. That's a crazy, that's crazy. Over three games, 58% chance to win out. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff. I'm going to take a share of that. That leaves me with $40 and I am going to take... Oh, I'll take a share of, oh boy, I'll, oh man, this is hard, because I'll take a share of UCLA, uh, I think they are going to go 2-1, and one. Uh, there's a good chance to go 3-0 and oh over these next few games, so that leaves me with $15, and then I'll throw in a share of Arizona State and Colorado. And I think that's it. Or maybe I have another $5. I'll, I'll do two Arizona States. The reason why is I think there's a good chance Arizona State beats Arizona. Not because I think Arizona State's better than Arizona, but because that rivalry is fucking unhinged uh, and silly and ridiculous and not normal at all. The least normal rivalry in the entire Pac-12, to be honest with you. So, yeah, that's where I'm going. Awesome. Next up, it's Matt. Matt did not uh, make it to the Q2 trading floor, so he's still holding on to his two shares of UCLA, one share of Oregon State, and two shares of Arizona State from the very start of the stock market. That was too mean. You should have sold me off. That was too mean to make me keep those. Yeah. Despite (laughs) some fluctuation, you're back at $100. 
So <laughs> wow, it's too mean. You made it, man. What are you going to do with your hundred? Are you finally getting off those investments, or are you just sticking <laughs> with them? Yeah, good chance. Good chance. I don't even know. I had way too much in there, anyways. Um, I will not be a coward. I'm absolutely hammering Arizona State. Um, wow. I am going to take Oregon because I think that listen, stock market loves tech. Tech is always a good place to to invest. And if Reed is setting these numbers, Oregon is about to go to the moon. So absolutely. I'm, I'm not setting the numbers. For okay, the sure. Give me <laughs> give me one Oregon. Definitely give me one Oregon. And that gives me 30 bucks. And frankly, the only choices to make here are give me 20 of Arizona State, 10 of Cal. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. All right, Reed. All right. Uh, next up, we have Greg. Uh, Greg's holding on to a share of Oregon and two shares of UCLA. UCLA shares didn't give him do him any favors. His evaluation went down from 145 to 120. Greg, with your 120, what are you doing in, in Q3? So, can I just hold that share of Oregon? Yes. Yeah, you can hold the share of Oregon. All right. And then, what do I have left over from there? You'll have 50 bucks left over. Okay, you know where we're going with that? Where? Give me fucking 10 Cal shares. Let's go. <laughs> Greg right. sees it. Greg gets Cal it. Cal is a better team than Arizona State. All right? Washington State's in a tailspin. And then Cal also still gets Stanford. All right? I see a 2-1 oh, finish for he's Cal. He's right. With the, possibility, with the possibility of an upset over UCLA to end the year. I don't think any Excuse of us me, would be Greg shocked to Greg is right. See that. I already did this. <laughs> you went to, yeah, you're right. Um, I didn't think about their schedule, though. Uh, exactly. That's what you got to make these decisions based on schedule. eligible Cal is, is like. It's on the table. It's on the table. <laughs> God, I fucking hate Cal. I want they're them to go play, away. They're going to play UCLA with a bowl on the line, which is just wonderful. I think. They'll go two and one in this stretch. After. I think that number is going to go up. So I hold my Oregon share because they're the best team in the conference. And I buy five or ten Cal shares. That's, that's a huge letdown spot for UCLA after beating USC, too. Oh, yeah. Or losing, to, or, or losing to USC and having an interim head coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling great about the Cal shares, though. Like that's that's where the money making opportunity is. I did not think about that schedule. My God, good God! Ari- right, really. Arizona, the chances of Arizona State getting Oregon and Arizona. Are <laughs> zero. Arizona State is playing three good teams. I know. That's why. <laughs> that's why he's gonna rock it. <laughs> I have uh, 120 as well after having two UCLA shares and two Utah shares, uh, and I am going to put that on one share of Oregon and one share of Arizona. I think both those teams have a good chance to win out. Um, and Arizona sneakily, like, could they have a case for a New Year's Six Bowl? I, that would be awesome if that happened. If if Oregon and Washington both made the playoff, not a completely insane thing if there's it's chaos elsewhere. completely insane thing. Arizona, it not. It's not that insane. Arizona would probably have a good shot. Arizona instead of LSU and Bama, sure. They have to take a Pac-12 team if two Pac-12 teams make the playoff. Yeah, we talked about this. We got to figure out what the actual bowl situation is. All right, Reed, go ahead and figure out your stocks. Yeah, it's it's Oregon and it's Arizona, uh, and 
they're going to the moon. I don't know what else to tell you. I, I <laughs> Other people bet on Oregon already, so I think you understand that pick. But Arizona, I just like I like the schedule. The only losable game is Utah at home, and we've seen them take down ranked opponents at home before. Uh, I'm not that high on Utah. I think Arizona's just a better team than Utah right now. So I'm with Arizona there too. Crazy stuff. All right. Well, those are our stocks. We'll check in on those at the end of the season, see how we do, see how people are performing. But for now, let's go on and make some game predictions. Uh, as I, Avery and I take down another chip here, Greg, how about a pick party update? All right. As for No Truck Stops hosts, I had the best week this week with five for six, which is tied for the best week overall on picks with Matt Schwaz, Briar, Cam, Ted to to the Rick, uh, and uh, and yeah, that's <laughs> those that's the top one. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong one for a second, but we're good. Easiest game was Oregon covering and the over. Hardest hardest game was Utah covering and the over. <laughs> Only bold prediction that was correct this week was Chad with UCLA Arizona under 39 and a half, and I don't think that's bold enough to count. So no good bold predictions, unfortunately. Uh, although there was a really funny one from uh, Justin. I'm forgetting his Twitter at, but it was uh, Chip Kelly finally shows up in a bid game. Oh no, his, his name was uh, Jason, Jason Ruiz, and his was Chip Kelly finally shows up in a bid game. He did not show up, so uh, I'm sorry, Jason. Jason. <laughs> Worst prediction was Carlos's UW and USC prediction, which was they would have less than 40 combined points. That lost with <laughs> six and a half minutes left in the second quarter. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, USC had 40 points by themselves. Um, that's tough. Tough beat for me. Uh, Matt, how about a standings update? I didn't realize that Wazoo was such a favorite over Stanford. Um, that netted <laughs> we us a we don't whole need a, bunch of points. We don't, need, we don't need to do this, actually. We can, we can go team. <laughs> that was delightful, and I specifically want to thank you from Reed for convincing him to do the funny thing and make a good graphic out of that game. <laughs> thank um, you. Sick. So we all get five points except for Avery for picking Stanford over Wazoo. Putting us quite ahead of Avery. I am no longer in last place. She's at 52 points. I have 56. Greg at 55. Carlos, 69. Very nice. And Reed at 59. Just where uh, I want to be. Sure. Yeah. Win-loss records are uh, Avery is 44 and 27. I'm 48 and 23. That doesn't sound right. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, Greg <laughs> at 50 and 22. Carlos, 55 and 17. And Reed, 54 and 18. Still a top. I've... I've been top of the leaderboard this entire season. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff for, for someone, for everyone that thinks that I don't know ball. Uh, all right, another six game slate here in week 11, meaning six salsa chips for Avery and I. Uh, also, just three more weeks of the regular season of Pac 12 football. Savor it, everyone. This is it. We're in the home stretch. Crazy how this, how fast this went by. It all starts at 11 a.m. Pacific on the Pac 12 networks. Arizona. Travels to Boulder to play Colorado. Arizona, a nine and a half point favorite. Matthewerson, who wins, who covers? It's got to be Arizona, right? Also, where are you finding nine and a half? I'm only finding six. No, no, Reed put it in here. On FanDuel. Oh, okay. Don't we use Vegas Insider? 
Vegas Insider is like it combined combines it's a, a bunch aggregator, of aggregator. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just there, finding it's six. It's not always that. updated. If you find FanDuel's better, just trust me. Okay, <laughs> great. Thank uh, you. Ma- Matthew Hubertson, uh, did you say Arizona is going to cover? Yeah, I think Arizona will cover that. Okay, Greg. I also think Arizona wins and covers. Reed. Yeah, I think Arizona wins and covers as well. Avery. Arrived at the point where I'm playing from behind. So really, mm. what in the world do I have to lose? So if what is it? What did Reed put in here? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Oh, I have so it's to not Colorado. to the five pointer. It'll keep you at a so, three pointer. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is worth it. I mean, I'm like six points behind. Yeah. So yeah, you got to do it. it. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Colorado. Well, but you got some other big ones on here that you might be able to choose. Maybe no. I'll choose all of them. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're going to do one of those weeks. Okay, okay. I don't know. Um, I've got I've got Arizona winning, but I don't think they cover. I think I wonder what Colorado's um record against the spread is at home this year because I think they've 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 um kept some games close that they probably shouldn't have. So, I'm going to pick Arizona to win, but I think Colorado covers here. Uh at 12:30 p.m. as we take another chip, the game of the week on Fox Utah travels to Seattle to play Washington. Washington, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? I need more time to think about my strategy for this game. You have game. to pick first. He, you're on the list. So you don't get to skip around. No, I should get to skip around. No, because I'm that's not go. fair. Go, Greg. Fine, fine. I'll take Utah because 10-and-a-half will give me more points. And, <laughs> uh, and I think it's very possible Utah wins this game especially covers that, this game with a number that big, the defensive line versus an immobile quarterback. I think that could really cause some problems for, for UW, especially as I think Utah's defense is better designed to stop a team like UW than it is to stop a team like Oregon. Reed? Yeah, I like Greg's logic a lot. I think 10.5 is enough value given the points uh, to take Utah here. I think they have a shot at it. I don't know that... I believe they have more than a 50% chance, but given the points, I'll take Utah to win. Grapes. See, this is the one where you could have gotten six points here. I don't know if you had to take the risk on Arizona, Colorado, but here it is. Six points here. I'm going to this game. Five. Five. Are you really? I might wear Utah gear to this game. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is a game where if I'm going to wear non-UW gear, I'll get away with it because I have a degree from there and I was the president of the student section. So like I've earned that right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Utah. Why not? Mm, interesting, interesting. Matthew Hubertson? Yeah, I can't let the graphic look like this. I have to pick UW. No, no, no. Hey. Carlos will pick UW for us. I will actually pick. I am going with UW. I think Utah will cover, but I'm going with Washington. I think it's a. I think Utah has a favorable matchup. I think this is going to be a, a very tight game. They're going to make Washington look a little ugly. But I think I think I, I'm going to go with the team that has a, a consistent, reliable offense. I've been somewhat disappointed by Utah's back end. I think this turns into bombs over Baghdad pretty quickly. That mm, could definitely happen. At 1 p.m., true sickos game if I've ever seen one. This one's on ESPN2. I believe this is the first ESPN2 game we've gotten in the Pac-12 season. I have not. I don't remember saying the words ESPN2. Wazoo travels to Cal to play uh, in Berkeley. To play the Bears. What the fuck am I saying here? <laughs> uh, Cal is a two and a half point favorite. Reed, who wins, who covers? I'm strong on Cal in this game. I've I've 
bet on Wazoo, thought Wazoo was going to kind of wake up for a few weeks now. I don't believe it anymore. I think Cal, I agree, has sneakily looked good the past month in, in moments. Uh, I think this could be the game where it pays off in a win. So I'm going with Cal and definitely Cal to cover. Avery? Um, I, I'm 0-9 on Cal picks. I'm trying to get 0-12. And this is tough. This is really tough. But considering how Washington State looks, I have to pick Washington State to win so that I get this wrong because I think Cal's going to win. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're getting weird with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matthew Bertson, who wins, who covers? I'm on Wazoo. I think Wazoo wins this game. Think they get a bounce back? Okay, okay. Greg? I bought my Cal stock. I think Wazoo's quitting. This is the time. Go Bears. Yeah, I've got Wazoo quitting hard right now. They're on quit watch big time. Uh, yeah, give me give me Cal. Cal's playing for something, and, you know, I don't know. I think they'll win this one. At 2.30 p.m., Stanford travels to the graveyard to play Oregon State. This game will be on the Pac-12 Networks. Oregon State, a 19-and-a-half point favorite. Grapes, who wins, who covers? I just put a spicy <laughs> let's, let's go to Matt. Matt, you first. <laughs> Stanford, you have who the single covers? most opportunity to do the funniest goddamn thing possible. I'm picking Stanford. Oh, my goodness. He's going for the points. Greg? I'm taking Oregon State. I think this this will be a solid enough matchup for them. I think they'll cruise. Avery? I'm I'm also gonna pick Stanford, unfortunately. Um Reed? Yeah, I'm I'm going with Oregon State. I mean I remember what happened last year too, but it's in Corvallis. I gotta go Oregon State. Yeah, I'm going with Oregon State. I don't think they'll cover. I think Stanford's gonna be a little pain in the ass, but I do think Oregon State's gonna win this game. I think they'll win it comfortably. It'll be fine. At 6 p.m., ASU travels to Pasadena to play UCLA on the Pac-12 Networks as well. UCLA, a 20-and-a-half point favorite. Matt, who wins uh, Who wins and who covers? Yeah, I don't think that this should be legal to watch on public television. I, I think that the rating for this game is, uh, <laughs> needs to be on like HBO Premium or something like that. Um, we're going to see some dead bodies, UCLA, by, by about 50. Uh, Greg? I don't know that UCLA will win by that much because they just don't, but they will win without a shadow of a doubt, so I'm picking them. Reed? Yeah, definitely UCLA will win. I, I mean, Arizona State doesn't have an offense right now. They don't have a quarterback. <laughs> There's no way. The only question is basically, can UCLA score three touchdowns? And I'm not sure they can, <laughs> but they'll ask. definitely win. Avery? Yeah, I'm picking UCLA. <laughs> I'm not even that crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt? I already answered it. Oh, yeah, you did. Sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Yeah, I've got UCLA uh, winning this game. I, whatever the point total is, though, I'm picking the under. I think this would be an ugly-ass football game. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, finally, the late game, but a big one. At 7.30 p.m., USC travels to Eugene to take on Oregon. Minus, uh, Oregon is a 14-point favorite. This one's on Fox. Greg, who wins? Who covers? Uh, I don't know if Oregon covers because I could see USC breaking down the back door, but Oregon will win. And I think that we will be convinced after this game that, like, I don't think there will be any question of who is the better team. It'll be Oregon. Reed? Yeah, I'll be at this game. I'm picking Oregon to win, definitely. I think as long as the turnovers don't come, there's no rain or any weird shit, 
this game should be like 56 to 35 or something. So I think Oregon wins and covers in a high scoring one. You don't think there's going to, it's in the Pacific Northwest in the fall. Like, I feel like you shouldn't bet against rain. It's probably more likely than not. It never rains in Autzen Stadium. (laughs) I, I mean, I think Oregon's going to win, but I'm going to pick USC just because the points here are too tempting for me not to like a 14 point spreads kind of big even for how bad usc has been playing so i'll pick usc beth hubertson i really want to be fun i don't think i can be (laughs) setting the over under at 375 rushing yards for oregon where are we going (laughs) there won't be enough possessions for them to get more on four yeah that's the issue there will uh, be four good. possessions, is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> the hell of a, that's a bold date, Greg. <laughs> you gotta put that on the All right, Matthew, for this big Man, I'm tempted to be the fun one here. I already was the fun one. You picked USC? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll pick Oregon. I just think I, I just think again. There's a ceiling for how bad USC's defense can be. Like there's just not enough possessions in the game for Oregon to score 60. Like there just isn't, uh, especially with the clock rolls and stuff like that. I. It's just a matter of can USC get to 50. If USC get to gets to 50, I think they can win this game. I think they probably will win this game if they get to 50. But Oregon's defense is like 10% better than Washington's and Washington held them to a couple stops and held them to 42. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Oregon. I'm not going to try to chase points here. I'm already... I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of everyone, so I just need to just, hold serve. Just slander. Carlos, Oregon and UCLA are slept, separated by one spot in defensive beta rank. Oh my god. Wake Please up. Please stop. Please stop. I've watched this. I, you're, you're just you're, you're big old honk. I can't know. Wake up. Who's number? Check who's number one in defensive beta rank okay. in the country right now. Please, please grow up. Or, I mean, or, Oregon. Or Oregon's gonna rank, win sorry. this game. Oregon's gonna win this game because they have to set up that insane upset to ASU next week. <laughs> vibes Wild <are> bad. scat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vibes are bad. All right. Well, that's all we have. Uh, I gotta say, this. How are you feeling, Avery? The salsa situation here. My face is like really warm. And my nose is super runny. Like I have to keep wiping my face. I don't. I don't feel great. Yeah. I. I feel like I hit a point of sensitivity. Like I feel like I don't feel it in my mouth anymore. I definitely. It's just like the after effects. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of warm, sweaty. I'm coughing a little bit. Yeah. I'm feeling like, oh, my stomach doesn't feel great. But <laughs> I'm not excited think... for later. <laughs> anyway, so that there it is. Probably probably a dud. Why did we do this? Anyway, uh, that's all we got. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed that. Let's get out of here. We're back on YouTube on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific to talk about opening day of Pac-12 basketball. If you want football content, though, go check that out at Patreon uh, at our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We're dropping our weekly preview episode about late Wednesday night, Thursday morning uh, to preview week 11. I've got a UCLA deep dive up there that I posted last night. You can check that out off to $5. For now, that's Avery, that's Reed, that's Matt, that's Greg. I am Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, Super
superstar. 